Welcome to the Story Forest, original tales for curious and adventurous children. Every night of George's strange half-term, he's waking up in a castle hundreds of years in the past with a challenge to save the mysterious Clara. In this episode, Lord Clarthen has made a discovery and George and Clara need to run a rescue rather urgently. Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. The rescue and the runaway. All day, George and Mum were on edge. The night before, in his trip to the Tudor past of Clarthen Castle, George had managed to give a letter to a fisherman that should make its way to Clara's guardian, who would then hopefully put a stop to her wedding to the horrible cousin Griffin. Lord Clarthen, Clara's uncle, was trying to get his hands on her fortune, and George, now with Mum's help, was trying to save her. But they had no way of knowing if it had worked. Mum had wondered if the history books might have changed or something, but everything seemed the same. But surely Clara's guardian wouldn't let her marry Griffin. They were irritable and frustrated all day, Mum half-heartedly studying the castle and asking George questions about what it was like in the past. They were both relieved when it was bedtime. George got ready for bed and Mum gave him a fierce hug and then they both went to bed. When George woke, he was in a castle corridor. He hadn't been in this corridor before, but he was fairly sure that he was outside Clara's room. And then he heard a noise from inside, a sniffing sort of sound, and he knew what that was. He knocked gently on the door, and the crying stopped at once. Clara, he said, and there were footsteps immediately. George, I'm so glad you're safe, but but it's awful. She spoke in a quiet voice. My uncle found one of the old letters on Sir Thomas's desk, one of our trial ones. Now he's locked up Sir Thomas in the prison and says, says he's going to execute him. There was a horrible silence. George felt something drop in his stomach. It was their fault. Sir Thomas would never have been in prison if it wasn't for them. So, so we need to get him out of there and help him escape. Only I'm locked in my room too. Ah, George said but he was encouraged by Clara's determination. She was right. They could do this. Where's the key? My uncle has it, but there's a spare. In the kitchen, at the back of the big cupboard next to the fire, there's a set with every key on it. I'll go. I'll be back soon, Clara, George said, already rushing down the corridor. He kept his head down and grabbed a loaf of bread as he went in trying to look like he was doing something, and he scanned the kitchen quickly, looking for the fire and a cupboard. The fireplace was easy to spot, a long stick turned over a big blaze, with some sort of animal cooking on it. But there was a cupboard either side. Why hadn't Clara said which one? He went to one and rummaged around. He found nothing and went over to the other. He quickly found the keys, but the moment his hand gripped them, a voice sounded right next to him. What are you looking for, boy? It was the head cook. 
and she was looking suspicious. George's heart thudded, and then he screamed and pointed at the floor. A mouse! he shouted. Then as everyone looked, he grabbed the keys, dropped the bread which rolled over the floor, and ran. By the time they all looked up, he was gone. At Clara's door, keeping an eye out down the corridor, he tried three keys before the last one opened the door. Clara burst out of her room and threw her arms around George. He hugged her back. Then she let go and gave him a serious look. Let's go. We need to be as quick as possible. And then she was gone, disappearing down the corridors so fast that George had to keep a close eye on which way she went to follow behind. Eventually they got to the bottom of the castle and went down some stairs that George hadn't found before. They came to a small underground space that was almost completely dark. George shivered. The walls were damp and it smelled like the sea. They must be under sea level and the water must get in somehow. There seemed to be no one there, but the corridor ahead of them was blocked by bars reaching from floor to ceiling with a gate. Sir Thomas! There was a slow shifting movement from beyond the bars and gradually they could see the priest appear. He looked tired and pale. I'm so sorry, George said, feeling terrible. We're going to get you out, Clara said at almost the same moment. The priest gave them a smile. It is good to see you both, but I do not wish you to endanger yourselves. We are definitely getting you out, George said firmly. He stepped forward to look at the gate. Then Clara took the bunch of keys from his hand and started trying them all. George had a feeling that wasn't going to work, and it didn't. None of the keys fit. The bars were made from wood and they looked sturdy, but George had an idea. Do you still have my penknife? It's in the secret passage, Clara said quickly. I'll go and... No, I'll go, George said. You're meant to be locked in your room, remember? I'll take those keys back too, Clara nodded and George set off again. As he went through the corridors and past people, he couldn't help but think that everyone was quieter than normal, that people were whispering rather than talking. He put the keys back easily, then waited until the corridor was empty to slip into the secret passage. He ducked behind the suit of armour and edged along the side of the passage until he saw something glimmer, the penknife. He picked it up and went back to the end of the passage. Now he could hear voices in the corridor rushing past him. And then the voices were gone and George raced back through the corridors until he was coming back to the priest and Clara. He pulled out the sharpest knife in the penknife and started trying to cut through the wood. It wasn't easy. They took it in turns, George, Clara and Sir Thomas, but the knife was small and getting more and more blunt, so it was hard work. George had worked out that they could cut only three wooden columns, each above and below the lock, but it still took a long time. They'll be bringing my food soon, I think, Sir Thomas said. They had been working in silence, each concentrating on the task or on everything else that was going on. Some of the wooden poles were cut through. We'll have to do it before then.
Sir Thomas took the penknife now and worked furiously at the last bars. He cut through one. George moved his fingers slowly. He had blisters and his fingers ached. They heard a step on the stairs ahead of them. And then, with a bang, Sir Thomas cut through the last bar and pushed the door open. But the steps were getting closer. You two hide, Clara spoke decisively. Let me deal with this. With no time to argue, George and Sir Thomas backed into the shadow and Clara stepped boldly up the stairs. Do not take food to the prisoner. Lord Clartham commanded it. You had better leave immediately. He does not want anyone speaking to the traitor. Her voice sounded so commanding that George wasn't surprised that, after a moment, the guard obviously turned round and left. He breathed out a sigh of relief. Clara came back to them. Let's hide Sir Thomas in the secret passage. Then we can work out what to do next. Looking around wherever they went and ducking behind doors, tapestries and under tables a few times, they finally made their way to the suit of armour and slid behind it. Sir Thomas looked about him in unconcealed delight. How wonderful, he said. Yes, George said and leaned back against the wall and let out a long breath. Sir Thomas, their only ally, was on the run. He had to get him out of here safely. Clara was still engaged to Griffin and they only had one more wish left. You can't stay here though, Clara spoke decisively. We need to get you far away. What shall we do, George? George frowned. It was no use telling Clara that he wasn't here to solve all her problems. Nothing would make her change her mind. And anyway, he desperately wanted to save Sir Thomas too. The fishing boat, he started to say. But Sir Thomas shook his head immediately. Lord Clarthen is watching the water now. He's watching everything. He thinks Clara marrying Griffin is his only chance. He's desperate. How have the villagers been getting food? George asked. And the others shook their heads. They haven't. The boat you took was lost. You went back to your time, I suppose. Then there wasn't a spare boat for them to use anyway. And now no spare boat for Sir Thomas to use either. George frowned. If he was playing a video game, what would they do? He tried to think of everything they had learned, everything they had done, everything he knew about the castle and the history and about Lord Clarthen. It didn't take very long for an idea to start to form. But he had to be clever about this. He couldn't end up with Clara in even more trouble than she was already. He turned to her and looked at her seriously. Clara, I think you need to go and see your uncle and say that someone let you out of your room. You need to tell him that you will marry Griffin and then stay with your uncle for the rest of the day. He can't think that you had anything to do with this. Once we've got Sir Thomas away, we can work out how to stop the wedding and you can distract him too. Clara gulped and pinched up her face, then nodded. I might not see you again this time, Clara. I know, she spoke quietly. You've only got one wish left, she nodded again. You're going to have to save it for the absolute worst moment. You're going to have to do everything you can to escape yourself or stop the wedding somehow. 
Did you hear back from your guardian yet? No, she said. You can do it, Clara. George suddenly felt so sad for her and put his arm around her. You're brave and strong and you know this castle and you're getting better and better at thinking of plans for yourself. And there is one more wish if you need it. She put her arms around him and squeezed. Thank you, George. Both of you have been fantastic. Sir Thomas spoke now. Well done. It's not over yet. George let go of Clara, who was wiping her eyes. Sir Thomas, if I can get you out of the castle, can you escape when it gets dark? George remembered the priest running behind them before. He was fast. Yes, I think so. Good. He looked across at the others. I think it's time. Clara, you go first. Then, Sir Thomas, I'll meet you at the other end of the secret passage. Go all the way to the top. God be with you both, Sir Thomas said. But there is another way. Clara, you could come with me. George looked at Clara. He hadn't thought of that. It might solve everything. Clara would disappear but be safe with Sir Thomas. But she was staring up at the priest, her eyes narrowed, and then she spoke. That is kind, Sir Thomas, and honourable, as you always are. But if I went, my uncle would search all the harder. He would send everyone to track us down. And I would slow you too. I cannot ride or run as you can. They would catch us and you would die. And I would have to marry Griffin anyway. I will not come with you. I will stay here. Then Clara gave the priest a hug. Then George a small smile. And then took a deep breath and stepped out of the secret passage. George knew that she was about to face her hardest challenge yet. When she had gone, he looked at Sir Thomas and nodded. See you soon. Be ready to climb. And then he stepped out into the corridor too. His idea for a distraction was the most dramatic yet. He wasn't entirely sure it would work, but if it did, it would be perfect. He stepped out into the corridor and then into the laundry cupboard he had reached on his first day here, full of piles of cloth. He took a small pile and held it importantly in his hands as though he were doing a job, then set out again into the corridors. He pictured the castle layout in his head and came exactly as he had thought to an outdoor area filled with pens of animals, chickens, pigs, geese, sheep and goats. He looked around him quickly and the coast was clear. He dumped the cloth and then went and opened the chicken coop. He ran inside and the chickens squawked and he chased them until some of them ran inside the castle, flapping and squawking. It was the sheep next. They were loud, but as he chased them, they went into the different doorways and George felt the joy of chaos rising inside. He opened the door of the pigs and shouted at them and they stirred and he chased them into the corridor that led to the great hall. He laughed with glee as he thought of them nibbling tapestries, eating Lord Clarthen's food and stomping mud over everything. He let the geese out as well for good measure, then walked quickly along the side of the wall, starting to hear screams and shouts from inside. If he was right, there was a way up to the roof around the corner from here. 
If he could only get on top of the low shed, it was right in front of him. There were some wooden containers there and he stacked them quickly on top of each other, then climbed up onto the roof. He felt a freedom run through his veins as he started to clamber over the rooftops. It felt like a secret kingdom, like a new world. He reached a window that went into one of the fanciest bedrooms, where the top of the secret passage came out. He waited a moment, then heard shouting and running. Hopefully everyone had gone to see what was happening with the animals. He took a risk and climbed in the window, trailing mud over the posh floral rug, leaving a stain on the door. It didn't matter. The corridor was clear and he opened the door behind the armour to find Sir Thomas. He didn't waste time. Let's go. The priest followed him wordlessly until they had gone back through the room and up onto the roof. Sir Thomas stopped and laughed. I think I've just found out how you got into my rooms that time. I let the animals out into the castle. George couldn't stop a grin from covering his face. They're everywhere. Sir Thomas snorted with laughter too. Then George started to climb. They still didn't want anyone to see them. They made their way over the rooftops, crouching low and keeping under cover whenever they could. The noises from the castle underneath were wild and dramatic. Human shouts and speech joined by squeals, grunts and squawks from the animals. The worst noise, though, was a moment when George suddenly heard Clara's laugh carrying over everything else. Not a laugh he knew, a brave pretend laugh. He hoped he hadn't been wrong to tell her to pretend. They got to the other side of the castle, where a series of jumps took them down to the ground. George scampered across the island now, to where he had found the cave in his time, then looked around the undergrowth. Surely it must be here now too. It was, hidden behind a bush, and they went inside. You must go, George, Sir Thomas said immediately to Clara. See if you can do anything this time. It might be possible. You're here for her, not me. Thank you so much for your help, but go and save Clara. George nodded, then spoke again. Thank you, Sir Thomas, and I hope, I wish. The priest smiled. I know. Thank you, George. Go. And so he did. The castle was in disarray. There were animal droppings everywhere and there was still one missing pig. But George wasn't looking for a pig. He turned and stalked corridors full of people and feathers and things in wrong places and checked room after room, desperately hoping that he wasn't about to disappear back into his time. He was in a corridor near the tower when he heard a familiar voice and then another. He froze to the spot. The first voice was Clara. I shouldn't have been so silly. I'm sure being married will be fine. And then a cruel laugh. And then Griffin speaking lazily. I'm only marrying you for your money, you know. Even then I wouldn't if my father hadn't messed everything up so badly. Honestly, Clara, you're the last person I'd marry otherwise. So don't get your hopes up. Then there were footsteps and George would have moved except there was no time. But it didn't matter anyway because Griffin didn't give him a second glance as he stalked away. George waited a moment then walked in to find Clara. She was staring out of the window. 
You won't have to marry him, I promise, he spoke in a low voice. Clara, after a pause, gave a laugh. Don't promise me things you don't know, George. Do you actually know what happens to me in the future? Do you know that I don't marry Griffin? George found the words stuck in his throat. I don't know what happens to you. Mum doesn't know either. There are no records of a wedding, but there's nothing. No records. She turned and looked at him now. She didn't seem able to speak. But I'm coming back one more time, Clara, and I'll ask Mum more, and when you need me... He didn't say anything else, partly because he couldn't think of what to say, and partly because the world was shifting and moving around him, and then it was gone. There was one ruby on the wishing box left. One more chance to save Clara Greville. The end. Thanks for listening. Our next episode tracks Clara's very last wish. Will they be able to save her from marrying the gruesome Griffin? Thank you.